Welcome to the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Featuring Blake, Boomer, and CG Nasty. Let's make gambling great again. All right, folks, we're back again. Deep Fried Bets Podcast, special March Madness edition. We're coming at you, and we got a special guest for you tonight. Alex Masson is joining us as our co-host. No Collier, no Boomer. They don't know shit about basketball. we got the basketball master himself, Alex Masson. Masson, how you doing this evening? Finally some basketball. It took us till March, but finally some basketball. I know. I mean, we've got to gauge the audience on this. I think it's going to go over. Um you know, a bunch of degenerates. That's what we're out here looking for. So uh, we found the right guy to co-host. Uh, Masson is a college basketball or a high school basketball coach himself, so he knows the game very well. Uh, excited to have him here. Break down some great opening round matchups, and then we're going to talk about some of our favorite teams. We've got all kind of stuff. We've got two interviews for you tonight. Uh, Eric Haslam from Haslam Metrics. He's going to join us here in just a second. Uh, he's going to kind of break dang, things down from an analytical standpoint. Then we got Tony Patelis. Uh, Tony is just a—it seems like a college insider, college hoops insider. Uh, he's all over the place. Got a little bit of knowledge for you on all kind of things. Good interview. We'll help we even get us some coaching talk with that. Uh, first round matchups. We're going to get those guys Final Fours, their champions. We're going to get our Final Four, our champions. We're just excited to have you here, and uh, thanks for tuning in. While you're on the, while we're on the subject, and while we're getting this out, you know it's bracket time. Everyone loves filling out a bracket, so be sure to go join the Deep Fried Bets Bracket Challenge. Um, you can find us. We're on ESPN. The group name is Deep Fried Bets. The uh, password is Go Balls Deep, all a lowercase, all one word. But it's a ten dollar entry. Uh, holler at me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, and I'll tell you how to get that money to me. Um, $10 entry, all money's going to go out. Uh, winner's going to get most of it. Second will get a little bit, and if we have enough, third will get their money back. So, uh, and Max is helping me head that up. Going to be some good stuff. Uh, last year we had a probably about 25, 30 join. Uh, good tournament. No one picked Villanova last year to some, uh, to some surprise, but. Hopefully we'll have someone pick the champion this year and you'll all join us. But first of all, let's go on and let's get to that interview with Eric Haslam. Eric from HaslamMetrics.com. We'll take that away now. All right, folks, we'd like to welcome in Eric Haslam to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Uh, Eric, has uh, he's the owner of college basketball analytics site, HaslamMetrics.com. That's H-A-S-L-A-M-E-T-R-I-C-S.com, HaslamMetrics.com. Um, Eric's breaking down the college basketball landscape through uh, analytics. It's great stuff. Uh, you can find him at Twitter, at Haslam Metrics, H-A-S-L-A-M-E-T-R-I-C-S. Eric, th- uh, Eric, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening? Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, so you ready for the tournament? You ready for Thursday night? Oh, absolutely. I get geared up for this. I've been geared up for this for uh, the last quarter century. I got into it starting like right around 1990 or so. So, yeah, this is my favorite time of year. This is like my Christmas morning when you get uh, the game starting. So Thursday and Friday are going to be the best. I love it. Looking forward to it. Nothing like it, that's for sure. So talk a little bit about your uh, website, hasometrics.com. So when did you start doing this, and how did you come up with some of these metrics? 
Well, you know, Hansel Metrics was something that I started on my own because, uh, you know, years ago, we're going back to, you know, 20 years, I used to love getting the, the team capsules in the USA Today to give me a summary of exactly what these teams could do and who they were because it was really tough to kind of get, gather all the information to measure all these teams against one another. Um, and then I kind of got started toying around with some of the data about 10 years ago when it started really simple with just some spreadsheets and some small databases. And then over time, it just kind of grew. I just kind of experimented with different things, different philosophies, different methodologies to kind of come up, crunch some of the numbers. And then I stepped back a little bit and kind of created my own methodology. I said, well, what was important? And it was really based around shooting. Um, the shooting locations, the situations, and how all the different teams performed in those different locations and those different scenarios. Um, so it just kind of, took, you know, went little by little. I started crunching those numbers with the shooting stuff, and then I built a website. And I've got a background in engineering, so um, doing software development was kind of my thing. So I started a website, started with just simple rankings, and, you know, then people went nuts for bracketology. I started adding some bracketology and some, um, and some projections, game projections, um, on my site, you can project the outcome of any one of the 61,425 possible games in Division One, And then I added uh, team castles. So what, uh, one of the things that really inspired me were those USA Today team castles. I have team castles on my website, and they're actually automated. Um, I wrote the scripts behind the scenes that create the, the narrations of what, who the teams are, and now I don't have to write those. That They basically write themselves every single day. So, you know, brick by brick, I've kind of built it up from nothing, and it's become uh, uh, quite a successful little venture. Awesome. Yeah, sounds great. So I saw one thing. Um, you've still got Villanova as your number one team. Um, have they stayed there most of the year, or is that kind of carry over from last year? Uh, no, they have not actually been there um, uh, at number one for most of the year. They've they've had moments. They were they were there for most of the end of January, and then they kind of stepped back a little. But they've always been top five. Um, they've been uh, I think the lowest they've been was six, and I think they were six early in the year, right around the turn of the new year. They were six, um, but after that, they've been top five, and they've had their moments where they've been one, and then they slipped back, and then they they were back at number one. Um, in mid to late February, and then as of late, they were number one as well. So they're a very consistent team. Um, they have not slipped into the you know the the six, seven, eight, nine, ten range at all. They've been top five all year. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that kind of stuck out at me: you had UCLA all the way down at thirty-one. Is that a lot to do with their defense, or was was that sent them down there at thirty-one? Well, well, part of it is uh, is the defense, but also it's it's about how they perform. See, when it comes to the power rankings, people say, "Well, they win their games, they lose their games." Or, you know, it's it, when it comes to power rankings, I want you to take wins and losses out of it. It's breaking things down on a possession by possession basis. So, you know, looking at a game like uh, an example, I always like to use is if Villanova played Presbyterian and won by two. Uh, you know, the people who say, well, wins and losses count, I look at that and go, that's not a successful game for, for, for Villanova to be Presbyterian by two if that would ever happen. That's a, that's a very, very, very poor showing for Villanova. So what we try to do is we want those teams in those situations, now Villanova be Presbyterian by 52, that'd be more like it. So what we try to do is we try to look at these teams and based on the opponents they're playing, how they're performing, how quickly are they winning, and how decisively are they winning. So when you see teams like Wichita State, which climb very high, that's, that's because considering the level of their opposition, they're defeating them quickly and they're defeating them decisively. Whereas a team like UCLA, 
again, you know, in games against teams like Oregon State and Washington State or Washington, they might be more apt to let those teams hang around longer. And by doing so, it hurts their power ranking. I got you. Okay. Alex, you got anything to jump in here with? No, you know, I was just wondering, since we're coming from a, a betting perspective, you know, how how you would how, – how does Vegas really take in consideration the analytics side of everything? That's a great question. I, honestly, I can't answer it. Um, it's, you know, I, I, you know I, analytics is not by itself enough. That's the thing that people always look and they look at my site and they say, well, the, the analytics, you know, is that what, what Vegas uses? Is that, is that the, the be-all, end-all of predicting games? And the answer to that is absolutely not. The analytics are not familiar with, are, are not informed on certain things like when Yante Maiden went down for, for Georgia. Um, when um, Ananobi was lost for Indiana, when uh, Mo Watson went down for Creighton. Um, it's very difficult to tell the impact of losing big players like that because they're so frequently on the court. And when you take them off the court and you say, well, how, do they, how does this team perform without these players? The sample size of these teams without these premier players is so small, it's really hard to gauge. Um, so, it, I mean, you, you have to bring the eye test into it. Now, does that, um, does analytics come into Vegas? I assume it does somewhat, but I think it's only half the battle. I think you got to, you know, still use your eyes and, and determine, you know, how good a team is, you know, with your eyes as well as looking at the numbers as well. I gotcha. So, kind of on that note, who are, uh, who are some of the lower, lower seeds you are looking at on Thursday and Friday to maybe make some noise in the NCAA tournament? Well, the obvious one, I think, is, is Wichita State. You know, I, I said Wichita State. People didn't learn their lesson from Wichita State last year. If you looked at a lot of the analytics sites, myself included, uh, you know, Wichita State was a, uh, a, a darling of analytics sites last year, and, and, you know, they were almost left out of the tournament. And I thought that was kind of a, you know, had they been left out of the tournament, that would have been a travesty. And they got in the tournament, and they performed, you know, extremely well. They dominated Vanderbilt. They dominated Arizona. And then they moved on and then played very hard and lost a tough game to Miami. I think this year they kind of didn't let, um, the committee, again, kind of didn't learn that lesson. So now they're a 10 seed. And right out of the box, all the analysts that look at, you know, look at this matchup with Dayton and say, this is a no-brainer as far as we're concerned. This is a win for Wichita State. Even Vegas, I think, had Wichita State as, a, as an early six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, from what I read, so that's a team that's a double digit um, that's a double digit seed that should win in round one, in my opinion. And then you get a Kentucky team, which, as you know, has been you know they they've been playing better as of late, but they have a they have a tendency to fluctuate. So that's that's one team that I would look at from uh, from a double digit standpoint. Another team that I might be inclined to look at because you're you're trying to pick out um, the teams that. Um, probably in that 12 or 13 line that can make an impact. And the obvious one there is going to be Middle Tennessee um, for a good reason, because Middle Tennessee is actually under-seeded at number 12. We had them right around the 10 or 11 line. Um, furthermore, they're playing a Minnesota team, which a lot of people looked and said, how did that team get a five? Um, so you're really kind of dealing in this 5-12 game, you're kind of dealing with a 7-10 game, actually. Um, or even you can argue an 8-9 game. And when it's an eight-nine game, it's a it's a full toss-up. So you got you got a Middle Tennessee who can very well beat a Minnesota team who's dealing with injuries right now, and then you get a Butler team who has been flaky on occasion. You got to remember Butler lost to Indiana State this year. Um, I would 
you know, if someone said to me right now, Middle Tennessee State's going to be alive a week from now, it, w- it would not surprise me one bit. Okay. Yeah, I actually <clears throat> like them a lot in the first couple rounds as well. Um, all right. Yeah, let me ask about one more game, yeah. uh, kind of specifically. One game that kind of sticks out to me that not a lot of people are talking about is Marquette and South Carolina. How do you how do you go with the offense defense deal? I know you know Marquette's pretty high in most of the offensive efficiency, and South Carolina's pretty high on the defensive efficiency. How do you you balance that out? Oh, in that situation, you just look at uh, behind the scenes. You try to you try to gauge you know the shooting situations, how often they get those situations, how often the opposition allows those situations, and that's how you kind of plug everything in. And based on that, we have Marquette favored by roughly about two and a half or three points in that game right now. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's a very intriguing matchup. On one end of the court, you've got Marquette, who's, uh, you know, top 15 in offensive efficiency. South Carolina, top 15 in defensive efficiency. But then you go to the other end, and it's, you know, you've got a Marquette team that's 96th in defense. South Carolina, 104th. You know, the South Carolina team is, you know, I, I just don't see them going very far. They're, they're very much like um, that typical SEC team, like South Carolina, like Alabama, who just has a lot of difficulty shooting the ball. Um, and that's going to be a problem, especially facing a team like Marquette, who can light it up from pretty much anywhere. So I think in that particular game, the analytics at least, like Marquette in that matchup. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Eric, so we've got to put you on the spot here. Who... Uh... If you've done it so far, if you've made your bracket, who you have as your final four headed in uh, to the NCAA tournament? Well, the thing in the I'm gonna, the obvious ones are going to be the one seats, and then I'm going to speak from an analytics standpoint because honestly, I've got I've got a couple different brackets. I like to to do a couple different brackets just because if you lose one, you're like oh boy, not the whole tournament is ruined. So I do a couple, and I do one strictly based on analytics, and I do one that's kind of a little bit with the eye test uh, added in. Um, so, but I'm going to say the analytics one because that's that's what the site is all about. And according to the analytics, the analytics like three one seeds. No, they like Nova and Gonzaga getting to the final four in one of the in one of the final four matchups. The other one is UNC and and believe it or not, Iowa State. Um, and Iowa State is red hot right now. And honestly, I you know the analytic the analytics like them, but I think they are feast or famine. They really have to get past that opening round matchup with Nevada. If they get by Nevada, then you're dealing with a Purdue team, which is going to be a tough game. Um, I think they need those wins big. If they don't get past those, obviously it's all over for them. But, um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of Iowa State fans are very optimistic, but at the same time, they're very cautious about that Nevada game because that's a very good Nevada team they got to play. Um, so in the analytics right now are looking at Nova, Gonzaga, UNC, and Iowa State in that final four. Okay. So when it's all said and done, who do you have cutting down the nets in Phoenix? Well, I'm going with a rematch. I'm going with a big rematch of the championship game last year, Villanova and UNC, but the same outcome. We're going with Villanova to win it all. Okay. Very nice. All right. So is that kind of an analytics play, or did you factor in eye test there as well? Well, you know, at the end, you know, and, and the analytics are very, they don't look at the possible matchups. They don't make yourself, you know, the, the, reasonable, the reasonable thing to do when you look at these matchups and say, you got to pick a couple upsets in there. You got to pick a few 12s. Um, and, and if you add in the eye test, then I think um, you're talking, I still like UNC personally. I, I think that Villanova, using my eye test, I think Villanova is going to be more likely to see an upset. I would not be surprised. And this is my sleeper. 
that I'm going to pick. And it's not because I live 15 miles away from campus, but my sleeper is Wisconsin in that second round game against Villanova. And one of the things that I looked at from my site, my site has a little section on the team castles called curious trends. And with Villanova, it's noted that Villanova plays far worse against teams that have slower paces like their own. Um, so they're playing, if they play a Wisconsin team, Wisconsin is a very, very slow down team. When Villanova does not succeed as much against those teams that play the slow, the slow pace like they do. So uh, that's, that would be the, the game that if I were in Vegas and uh, I, I would probably throw a little bit of money down on Wisconsin on that one, because I think they can really, if they're playing at their pinnacle, can really give Villanova a test. Okay. So you think if they survive that, they cut down the nets for once again. Now, around that, but the analytics like Villanova, I personally like North Carolina. Okay. So I'm going to go personally North Carolina with my eye test. The analytics themselves are going to go with Villanova. Okay. All right, Eric. Well, we appreciate you joining us again. That is Eric Hasm. You can check him out at HaslamMetrics.com uh, or on Twitter at HaslamMetrics. Great stuff, man. We appreciate you joining us. We hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yep. All right, Alex. What did you think about the analytical take of the NCAA tournament? I thought it was really good. You know, that's something that coaches are more and more getting into. So that means fans are more and more getting into. And he seemed like he really knew his stuff. Um, but even the analytics guy says you got to use some eye tests too. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, as a coach yourself, how do you incorporate analytics? You know, a little bit. Not a ton. You know, we do some efficiency stuff. You know, we look at where we make shots. You know, what type of shots do we make more? You know, we take a lot of shots from the top, um, which is a little different than college and NBA. Everybody's about the corner three. We actually shoot the ball better from the top. Um, so I use that, you know, every single day. Okay. So how does that break down? you get like a stats guy or you do it yourself? You know, high school's tough. Yeah. You got to do everything yourself. You're the video coordinator. You're the ops guy. You're the assistant coach. So, uh Definitely some long nights in the middle of the week with high school basketball. That's true love of the game. That's why we have you on because we know we're going to get good information from you. All right, so that was our interview with Eric Haslam. Uh, but next up, we've got a good interview with Tony Patelis. Tony's from College Hoop News. or uh, You can find him on Twitter at College Hoop News. Uh, good stuff here. We'll get to that right now. All right, folks, we'd like to welcome Tony Patelis to the – Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Tony, you can find on Twitter, at College Hoop News. Uh, here to help us break down the NCAA tournament a little bit and see Tony's take on things. Tony, how are you doing this evening? Good, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, like I said, y'all can find him on uh, Twitter, at College Hoop News. You can check out his uh, Periscope show. He does every Wednesday and Sunday night, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, again, that's Periscope College Hoop News. Tony Patelis. Tony, um we got the NCAA tournament starting Thursday. Well, technically it starts tonight. What's your take on the games tonight? Um, two interesting games. You know, the 16 games are always, you know, fun. Uh, but, you know, looking on, looking at those uh, the playing games, you know, Kansas State, Wake Forest, per, uh, it, it's a pretty tight game. It's pretty even. You know, the spread won. Um, I like Kansas State in this matchup. I think it's a pretty even matchup. I think that, you know, if Kansas State can limit John Collins um, from Wake Forest a little bit, I think they have a pretty good chance. John Collins is one of the best big men in the country. Uh, I, I like the way Kansas State is playing right now. 
Um, Wake Forest, on the other hand, I think they pretty much got into the tournament of the way they played down the stretch. I don't think they're that great of a team. I think they're somewhat mediocre, but, you know, they had a great RPI and great strength of schedule, so they, they uh, slid into the tournament. So I think it's pretty, it'll be a pretty competitive game. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we got the opening round tonight. Thursday, the real action starts up. Um, what's your plan for Thursday? You just going to hunker down and watch all the basketball you can? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I, I flip back and forth through all the games. I watch as much as much action as possible. It's hard because there's so many games on at once. So, um, but, but it's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, so when the brackets came out, you know, some outrage. I know Wichita State, we talked to Eric Haslam a little bit earlier. He was uh, – yeah, he thought they were way too low. I think most people did. Ten was a little low for them. Um, who are some other people that you thought maybe got underseeded, or maybe not necessarily underseeded, but got a really bad matchup for them in this first round? Yeah, you know, I think the issue this year wasn't so much who got in. I think the committee pretty much got that right. I thought Illinois State definitely deserved to get in, but, you know, that resume just didn't stack up. But uh, some teams that I also think got underseeded were Middle Tennessee State. Uh, this is, a you know, an excellent team. They got a 12. I thought they should be more closer to maybe an 8 or a 9. Um, I also thought Vanderbilt and Mich- Michigan State were, were overseeded. I, I actually thought Vanderbilt was going to be in one of these playing games, but, you know, I guess the committee really liked that strength of schedule. So, um, and Michigan State, uh, I think uh, the Izzo factor has to definitely do with uh, where they got slotted. Um, so some teams with with some bad uh, bad matchups per se. I, I think the, the the one you got to key in on is that bottom region in the South. You know, you have a team like Cincinnati, UCLA, Wichita State, and Kentucky all bunched up together. I, I think that's going to be very interesting. It's almost like a mini tournament in itself. So I can't wait to see those matchups. Okay. Um, all right, so who are some of the double-digit seeds maybe you're looking forward to for this first weekend that you can see getting out alive and making it to the next weekend of the tournament? Well, definitely Middle Tennessee State. I think uh, they, they got a pretty good draw. Um, I think they could possibly get to that Sweet 16 uh, matchup with maybe North Carolina. Um, other than that, it's really looking tough because there was certainly a lot of lower-seeded uh, teams I liked, but – I don't think they got really good draws. Um, I like UNC Wilmington a lot, but I think that matchup for, with Virginia is going to be pretty tough. Um, I like Winthrop, actually. I think Winthrop is a team um, that could possibly knock off Butler, so look out for them, and they could maybe match up with Middle Tennessee State in that second round. Uh, the other, the only one, other one I can really say is Rhode Island. I think Rhode Island's playing really good basketball right now, and, and they're playing against a team, uh, Creighton, who really struggled down the stretch. I think they're four and eight in their last twelve. So, um, other than that, I unfortunately don't see a lot of upsets. Um, maybe some ten seven uh, upsets, but other than that, I really don't see many this year, unfortunately. Okay, Alex, you got anything to jump in with? Yeah, I just wanted to ask a little bit about the Florida State, uh, Florida Gulf Coast game. Seems like a lot of people thought Florida State's maybe a little overseeded at three. And, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, just everybody's got that magic from a few years ago, even though the coach is gone and the players are gone. Yeah. But uh, people seem to like that game. What do you think about that game? You know, Florida State's a tough team to, you know, break down because, you know, they've been somewhat up and down uh, towards the end of the season. Um, I think they were seeded okay. I think their resume really was pretty pretty darn good. Um, I, I think a lot of this has to do, as you said, Alex, with, with you know that team a few years ago. 
and it's just one of those, oh, yeah, let's just pick Florida Gulf Coast to, to move on. But uh, matchup-wise, I don't think this team matches up very well with Florida State. I, I like Florida State's size in this game. Um, I like, you know, their guard. So I think Florida State will win this game uh, pretty easily. Um, and I think Florida State's one of those teams that actually got a pretty good draw because I don't think you're going to get much from Maryland or Xavier. So I, I think Florida State could possibly find themselves in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. I saw the numbers on that. The public is like 81% on Florida Gulf Coast in that. I think Dunk City Magic's yeah. still living on a little bit. It, I guarantee you it has a lot to do with that, and that's just not the way to, to pick your bracket. Right. Um, all right, so we talked about that a little bit. Um, so who do you think is the first one seed to go out? First one seed? You know, I'm going to go with Kansas. Um, I love this Iowa State team. I actually have them in my Final Four. They're red hot right now. You know, down the, you know winning the Big Twelve tournament. They played great down the stretch. Um, you know, they're just hitting so many three pointers right now. And and when a team's doing that, they're really hard to beat. So if I had to go with one team, I'd probably say Kansas. Okay, Alex Yang. Yeah, I just really like Iowa State too. I was thinking about that. Uh, Deontay Burton is a guy who. Just nobody can guard if he really wants to play. Um, and then I love I love their point guard also. So I'm just really excited to see Iowa State Purdue possibly in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great matchup. You know, Purdue's always a tough matchup with, with teams because of their size. You know, Caleb Swan against Isaac Haas. Um, I, I think Purdue will roll in that first first round matchup with Vermont. Um, a lot of people are picking Vermont in an upset, but Vermont just matches up horribly. They have no size, so I don't know if they're going to be able to handle those two guys. So that's probably one of the best second round matchups Iowa State and Purdue in that in that second round. But Iowa State's got a really tough game in Nevada in the first round, so um, you got to keep an eye on that as well. Okay. All right, so we're going to put you on the spot a little bit here, Tony. Who do you have as your Final Four meeting up in Glendale, Arizona? You know, I have uh, Villanova in the East. I, I have them coming out beating Duke in the Elite Eight. I, I just think, uh, that, you know, they're the best team, what, probably top three team in the country. Uh, you know, I love their experience. They were here last year. They won it all. So definitely tough to repeat, but I think they can definitely get to get to Phoenix or Glendale, whatever they want to call it this year. Um, I have Gonzaga out of the West. I think Gonzaga is absolutely legit, one of the best top five teams in the country. I thought they got a really good draw. Um, I, I think that they're going to uh, match up with Arizona in the Elite Eight, and I, I like Gonzaga to get that done. Um, in the South, which is probably the toughest bracket, um, I like North Carolina. I think North Carolina, they're my pick to win it all. Uh, so I think North Carolina beats UCLA in the Elite Eight. And then again, as we just talked about, I have Iowa State matching up with Michigan in the Elite Eight. Michigan and Iowa State are two teams I don't think anybody wants to play right now. I think they're the hottest teams in the country. Um, so I think Iowa State will win that matchup and uh, get to uh, Phoenix. So I have Iowa State against North Carolina and Villanova versus Gonzaga in the Final Four. Yeah, where are they actually playing this this year? Is it in the, uh, in the Cardinals? It's in Phoenix, but Glenn, yeah, I think it's where the Cardinals play in the football team. Right? Okay. That'd be interesting seeing a basketball. I don't know if they've ever done it there, but uh, yeah, I've seen Phoenix. I've seen. Oh Phoenix. no, they, they they've had games there before. I don't know about the Final Four, but I know they've had regional games there. Okay, yeah, because I've seen yep. Phoenix. I've seen Glendale, so I wasn't sure. So uh, I think I might have heard you tip your hand, but just to make sure, you go with North Carolina as your champion. I am. Yeah, um, I think they're the most complete team in the country, and then you have two guys like. 
you know, Joel Berry, Justin Jackson, two All-Americans, uh, just a huge front court with Hicks, Bradley, um, and Meek. So uh, I, I think they have all the all the weapons and all the toys to, uh, you know, get it done. Who do you, uh, who you have them beaten? I have them beating um, uh, Gonzaga. I, I think Gonzaga um, beats Villanova, and they match up. And, and I think, honestly, it's funny. I think U, U, UNC and Gonzaga are the two most complete teams. You know, I really don't see a lot of holes with either team. They have a lot of depth, size, uh, great guard play. So I think it'll be an excellent matchup. And uh, I think North Carolina squeaks it out in a tight one. Okay. Hey, Tony, I got a coaching question for you. Who, who do you think sure. will be that mid-major coach that, you know, a couple weeks from now might have the Illinois job or the Missouri job, or at least everybody will know their name? Do you have any names somebody might not have heard of before? Yeah, I think Kevin Keats um, at UNC Wilmington. Um, he's done a phenomenal job there the last few years, has them in the tournament again. Um, I think he might will probably end up in an NC State, um, but I think I heard he did interview with Illinois already, so... Uh, but if I had to guess, he probably ends up at NC State. You know, we have the LSU job open as well, but that's the name that I've been hearing a lot. Also, um, Kermit Davis, um, Middle Tennessee State's coach, is one to keep your eye on. You know, he is a little bit older, and I know, you know, schools like to go young. He's 57. Um, but somebody might take a shot on him as well if he gets the right uh, job. Um, he has been in Middle Tennessee State for quite a long time, but I definitely go with one of those guys. Um, if you're looking for a mid-major coach. Yeah, we're down here in SEC country. You heard anything on that LSU job? Um, you know, I, I've heard Kermit Davis. Um, I've also heard Will Wade from BCU. Um, but, you know, I don't know um, how – and Eric Musselman also, I've heard, uh, the Nevada coach. Um, he's I was going to ask you about Musselman. Musselman, everybody seems yeah, to Musselman. really like him. And he was there a couple years ago before they imploded. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's an NBA type guy. I think he'll be in the NBA in a, in a couple of years. But he's a great coach, does a great job in Nevada. Um, I'm not sure if you know he's going to take the LSU job or stick around in Nevada one more year and then maybe uh, take the Washington job if if Roma, Lorenzo Romar struggles again up there in the in the Northwest um, because I know he likes it up there. So um, the LSU job is going to be tricky, you know, because you know their second fiddle. Basketball second fiddle there, so it, it'll be interesting. Okay. All right, Tony, we appreciate you joining us again. Y'all check him out on Twitter at College Hoop News. It's Tony Patelis. Check out his Periscope show Sunday, Wednesday night, six thirty Eastern time. Tony, thanks so much for joining us, and happy tournament to you. All right, man. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, Alex, we're back. That was our interview with Tony Patelis. Tony's kind of. Breaking down the tournament, got some good coaching news. Uh, who are some of the guys? I know you asked the question, but who are some of the guys that you're maybe looking at that are going to be the hot coaching name here in a week or two? You know, he stole my Kevin Keats. I was really big on Kevin Keats. He uh, he coached at Hargrave Prep when they were having a lot of guys come through. He was an associate head coach, I believe, at Louisville. Um, so he's got a lot of experience, and he's only 41 or 42 years old. So I really like Kevin Keats. Um, if you want to go kind of the older route, Steve Forbes at East Tennessee State. He was on Bruce Pearl's staff at Tennessee, and uh, he's just you know, he's got a great personality. If, if he can get an interview, I think he can get a job. He would really just knock it out of the park once he got in the room with somebody. Okay. So, yeah, he kind of hit on Romar, but how the hell does that dude get another season? I know he's got the number one recruit coming in again, but he had the number one recruit this year, and they – I don't even think they went 500. Like, how's that dude getting another year? 
I'm assuming it has to be the recruit, you know. I don't know why else he would. I think Washington could be a good job. So, I don't know. I do, too. I mean, you look what happened at LSU when they hung on to a duty a year too long. Well, uh, I don't know. I think if you got the number one or number two overall pick and you don't make the tournament, then you should not be the head coach of that team the next year. That's just me. But, oh, well. Let's get into some of our stuff, though. We're uh, we're both got brackets, so we're not going to go through our brackets because we're both in the deep fried bets bracket challenge, which as I mentioned earlier on ESPN, ten dollar buy in. Get with me on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere, and I'll get you the information on that. So we're not going to get here and go through our bracket pick by pick. We're going to talk about some of the lower seeds we like. We're going to go through our uh, vault, if you will, of the first round games, uh, looking at it from a spread point of view. We'll have a Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week, as always. Can't leave our boy Steve Austin out just because we're talking college hoops. Um, That's for the first round. And then we'll kind of take a look at our Final Four and our national champion because, you know, I think if we're all there at the end, that's not giving too much away. I don't think we're going to alter each other's picks. So let's get to it, Alex. Uh, First round starts thursday thank god it's now the first round not the second round because the play-in games which are tonight uh saw mount st mary's has just defeated new orleans 67 to 66 uh riveting game did not watch a second of it don't care who the 16 is that gets to get beat by 30 is on thursday or friday but either way uh playing games are tonight real tournament starts on thursday alex who are some lower seeds that you're looking at come thursday Looking at UNC Wilmington, I know we've hit on that a little bit. You know, that's that's a 12-5. Everybody likes to throw a 12-5 out there. I really like Tony Bennett in Virginia. But if you watch them this year, I mean, they just can't score. No, they got man and so, You know, already a tournament where it's hard to score. You know, you see those early games and this low scoring in the domes they're not used to. I mean, why can't UNC Wilmington hang around and maybe beat Virginia? Yeah, I think I actually had that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I've watched Virginia a couple times this year. And, you know, what's his name? Parantes or Parentes? Um, mm-hmm. He seems to be pretty good. And then outside of him, they got that kid with a man bun. Um, guy. <laughs> yeah, and if, if he doesn't get going, then it looks like they're kind of screwed. And I don't think he gets going all the time, does he? No, I mean, he even doesn't get a lot of playing time sometimes because he's not playing Virginia defense. Right, yeah. Well, you know, you got to play that defense, obviously, especially if you got a man bun like that. you got to hustle out there. Um, yeah. We have to talk Wichita State, too. You know, they're 10 feet, a double digit, but, you know, they're favored to beat Dayton. Some people think they can play with Kentucky. I mean, what do you do there? Yeah, I was uh, – I didn't watch the selection show, but we're all in a group message, me, Alex, and a couple other guys. And I saw where you talking about Wichita State got hosed, and I came home and saw they were a 10 seed, and I was like, I think they're ranked higher than that in the AP. And sure enough, like that, I've never seen that of you. No, I haven't. A team Every analytics site loves them. You know, it's not like they've come out of nowhere right. either. I mean, Greg I mean, Marshall was a pretty good They're 30-4, I believe. Yeah, 30-4. I don't much care for Greg Marshall, you know, after he turned Alabama down, but <laughs> – he seems to be doing his uh, thing up in Wichita, so I was shocked by that. I don't recall ever seeing an AP or a team ranked seated lower than their AP rank, but that was pretty crazy. Um, I mean, what do you think? Can they beat Kentucky? I don't think so. You know, before we even get to Kentucky, it's funny that nobody's giving Dayton a chance when 
they're in the tournament every year, and every AD wants to go hire Archie Miller. I know. These are the two guys. But, but now they're not getting a chance, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, like these are the two guys that every coach in, or every AD in America wants to go hire. And they face off in the first round, which I thought was interesting. But, yeah, Kentucky, I swear I, swear I wouldn't do it. I went into the SEC tournament saying – I'm not going to do it. I fell for Kentucky last year in their SEC tournament run, fell in love with them, picked them to win the national championship, and they lost to Indiana in the second round. So I swore I wasn't going to do it to myself. I don't have them win the national championship, but i got them making a little bit of a run. I mean, it's just – I think that with those two dudes, Monk and Fox, when they get going, Fox looks like he's back healthy. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think if those two dudes get going, they can beat anybody in the country, Right. Absolutely. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to end up being the number one pick in the draft. Oh, wow. He's, a, he's an NBA point guard right now. Okay. I just can't get over his chicken legs. <laughs> we went uh, went and watched Alabama play Kentucky this year, and it kind of sat right behind their bench. And it just like I'd seen his skinny legs on TV, and he ran out there. I was like, whoa. But, yeah, he does. He's got vision. Dude can play some ball, especially when he's healthy. Um yeah, I hated to see Wichita State because I always love seeing teams like that make it to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, but I think it's going to be tough with Kentucky right there. And you have anybody else you see making a little bit of a run out of that uh, lower seeds? You know, not really. We talked about Middle Tennessee a little bit. I think they have a chance. Um, I'm not really big on Minnesota, but Butler scares me having them in the second round, so I don't want to go Middle Tennessee too deep. Um, you know, I liked – East Tennessee State also, they're, they're playing if all holds out. UNC Wilmington, East Tennessee State could meet up if they took care of Florida and Virginia. So that would be something where, you know, maybe somebody get to the Sweet 16. And I think some guys can win first games, but I think it's going to be chalk late in the game. Yeah, I, I think that I can see that. Um, some teams I had, yeah, I had on Middle Tennessee State. I had them, I think I have them making a Sweet 16. Same with uh, Xavier. Had heard much about Xavier. I like them. I thought they played well in the conference tournament. That's a lot tougher conference than people think. Um, I'm not big on Maryland. Uh, I like Trimble, but every time I've watched them play, it's just kind of like if he doesn't get going, then they're not very good. Um, Florida State, Florida Gulf Coast, we hit on that a little bit in some of the interviews. People fell in love with Dunk City again, man. Uh, But – I don't know. Are you sold on Florida State? What's the freshman kid they got that everybody seems Jonathan to Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. yeah, he's a guy who's probably going to go in top ten of the draft. Um, he's the guy who went from 6'6 six, six to 6'10 six, in a year and a half. Okay. So he uh, people like to give him the Kevin Durant you know, comparison, and he's not that, but he can really play. They've got a couple guys, Dwayne Bacon. Uh, their coach has been there forever. So, you know, we'll see. They've never really done anything in the past, but – I mean, Florida State could win some games. I like their bracket. You know, like you said, Maryland and Xavier, I like their bracket fine, but they would end up meeting with Arizona probably in the Sweet 16, which is tough. Yep. I had uh, going through now, only two I've got getting past the opening weekend, double-digit seeds are our Xavier and Middle Tennessee State. Um, we'll see if that holds. I do have an eight seed making the Sweet 16, though, which I wanted to hit on a little bit. So the four seed, four number one seeds, Villanova, Kansas, uh, North Carolina, Gonzaga. I think we all can assume they'll get through the first round. But how about Gonzaga getting the South Coast State, the kid that averages a double double? Uh, I think he averages. Are the, should they be a sixteen seed with that kid? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. 
with the playing games with 16, there's so many, you know, 16. So I guess you could say they're the best 16. But I kind of thought Jacksonville State was going to be a 16, to be honest. Right. So I could have seen a switch with South Dakota State and Jacksonville State. I forget the guy's name, of course. But uh, I watched him play their conference tournament and black eye and all. He was just out there dominating folks. So, But, yeah, um, but in the second round – the ones play the eight. I got Kansas going down in the second round. Am I crazy to Miami? You're crazy. Okay. You are crazy. Um, point guard play. Is it Mason, the guy from Kansas? Yeah. He's unbelievable. No, I know. You know I've watched him play a few times, and late in the game, I just really like you know senior veteran point guards, and he can really make some plays. See, I've always heard, uh, or I've always. I never fell in love with Kansas. I never picked Kansas to win anything in a tournament. And then I was listening to Bamani Jones away home today, and he uh, he called it the Bill Self game, which I liked. Uh, Something about how Self's always got that game where he knows he should be better than the team, but then he gets in that game and he realizes, oh, these guys are a little better than I thought they were going to be, and he kind of clenches up and gets nervous. Um, I like that. I can see that being a spot. I don't know. I just I don't like Kansas. I've never really liked Kansas. They always stink it up. They have one stinker in the tournament. They I mean sometimes they get by it, sometimes they don't. I mean I know they won a championship, but maybe I'm crazy, but I don't have them going all that far. Um Maybe they got their stinker out of the way. Didn't they lose to TCU in the Big Twelve? They, they did. They had Jackson out though. I don't know if yeah. that affects him, but he should be a top five pick from everything I hear. Okay, but, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so that is some of the lower seeds we're kind of looking at, some upset alerts, but this is the Deep Fried Bets podcast, and we're here to pick winners. That's what we're going to do. We've got the vault of the first round, five favorite lines for the opening weekend. Masson, who are you looking at? All right, my first one. I'm going, we hit on this a little bit, UNC Wilmington plus seven and a half versus Virginia. Even if they don't win that game, if Virginia is going to score 55 points, surely Wilmington is going to put 50 up. Right. Uh, my second one, I've got East Tennessee State plus 10 versus Florida. I really don't think Florida's that good. After their big guy got hurt, um, there's no reason why East Tennessee State can't you know, come within 10 points of them. Yeah, I like that. After that, I've got Kentucky minus 20 versus Northern Kentucky. Okay. I think that's a piece of cake. You know, Northern Kentucky, they've only been Division One for four years, I think. Um, John Brandon, the guy from Alabama coaching them, that's just going to be a bloodbath. 20 points. It might be 20 at halftime. I've got, let's see, this is my uh, go-against-the-grain pick. I've got Dayton plus six against Wichita State. Okay. I'm an Archie Miller believer. If everybody's going to be talking about Wichita State, Wichita State, well, still, people are pretty smart, and they see the Dayton ahead of Wichita State. Surely they can keep it within six points. I like that. Let's see. I've got under 148, West Virginia versus Bucknell. Oh. Bucknell, um, they're just kind of average. I was looking at the analytics there, 88 in offense, 87 in defense, 86 in pace. West Virginia is fifth in defense. So I think 148 seems like plenty for West Virginia. I mean, Bucknell is no team that they should be able to turn over and get layups off their press right. all day. That's, that's a real I think people talk about their press, but really I was looking at West Virginia is 
79th in pace in the country. Oh, wow. So maybe they're not as much Crest Virginia as everybody thinks. Yeah, they're uh, – that's a relatively early game too, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, you got to factor that in too. Nobody's quite awake. Anytime before 4 or 5 p.m. ready to play a basketball game. All right, so that's uh, your five. You got UNC Wilmington plus seven in the hook against Virginia. We're going to go to East Tennessee State plus 10 against Florida. Kentucky minus 20 over Northern Kentucky. The Norse, I don't know what that is, but uh, they're going to lose by more than 20, according to Alex. Dayton plus six against Wichita State. I like that as a little contrarian pick. And we're going to go under 148, West Virginia versus Bucknell. Uh, like that a lot, too. Uh, good matchups. Sounds like five winners to me. Um, but I'm about to give you my five winners. Opening weekend, Thursday, Friday games. The vault of the NCAA tournament, March Madness. First off, uh, we've hit on this several times throughout the podcast, but Florida State minus 12 against Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, public 81% on Florida Gulf Coast right now. Dunk City was three years ago. That coach is gone. Uh, I don't think any team – is any player left from that team? Oh, no. I mean, No, and definitely not Andy Enfield like you said. Right. If anything, uh, maybe some redshirt freshman – uh, it's like the eighth guy off the bench now because he, uh, you know, works his ass off at practice is why he's still there. If anything, that's the only kind of guy. Not going to be any cutaway shots to models in this game. Um, Florida State minus 12, going to take care of Florida Gulf Coast very easily. Next up, um, I kind of look for some games that I like, teams I think are going to win that only have like a one or two point spread are going to go in that direction. Two of those for you. First up, Arkansas. Versus Seton Hall, we're going to take the Hogs, minus one and a half. Like what I saw out of Arkansas, they kind of ran out of steam a little bit at the end um, against Kentucky. But they played well in that SEC tournament. Beat the hell out of Vanderbilt, um, who, you know, they made the tournament uh, one seed lower than Arkansas. And Arkansas beat them by like 40 on Saturday of the SEC tournament. Give me Do Arkansas. you know the Moses Kingsley story? The his name thing? No. Apparently, the Arkansas big guy, who's pretty good, yeah. um, his name is really Kingsley Moses. And when he came to America, they had it backwards, and he just went with it. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know he wasn't from America until I heard him speak the other day. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> but wasn't he the conference preseason conference player of the year? Yeah, he was. He, uh, he's, he, I don't know how many shots he blocked per game, but it was pretty high. Yeah. So, I mean, he obviously didn't win conference player of the year, but still had a pretty good year. Look for him to step it up a little bit. Moses Kingsley and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Woodpig Suey minus one and a half against Seton Hall. Next up, another one of those games. Uh, I've already hit on that. I think Miami is in the Sweet 16 beating Kansas in round two. So that means they got to beat Michigan State in round one, minus one. Uh, take the minus one. If anything, you get a push. I don't think you'll be that worried about it. I think Miami, uh, they take down Michigan State. A uh, little bit of a lull for Izzo. I'm sure he'll be back strong next year, but he's going to make an early exit this year at the hands of the Hurricanes. Uh, next up, a, a pick I really like. Um, kind of when you hear it, you might not love it, but I got some reasoning behind it. Kent State taking on UCLA. We're going to take Kent State plus 17 in what I see as a potential backdoor cover. So here's what's going to happen. UCLA, great offensively. Defensively, is terrible. Everything I've heard 
everything anybody's ever told me is their defense is awful and you know that's that's going to factor in in this NCAA tournament so what's going to happen they're going to get up big against Kent State they're going to rest their starters a little bit and if their starters aren't good at defense you know the dudes on the bench aren't any damn good at defense so I think Kent State's going to come back maybe they're down 22-24 UCLA pulls ball uh, Leaf some of those guys Kent State comes in and backdoors that baby, so we're going to take that. And then finally, <clears throat> this was another one of those games I looked at that uh, I was looking for teams that I thought were going to win that were either underdogs or close favorites. We had Xavier, two-point dog against Maryland. Like Xavier, plus two to get the outright win. Take the money line from Phil and Frisky. Xavier, plus two against Maryland. Kent State, plus 17. Uh, Public's also all over UCLA, so I like that even more. Miami, minus one. Arkansas minus one and a half, and Florida State minus 12 is my favorite five, my vault for the Thursday-Friday games. <clears throat> now, Alex, this is your first time on the Deep Fried Bets podcast, but uh, we have a good friend of the show. His name is Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I don't know if you heard of him, but Stone Cold comes on here, and he gives out locks of the week. Now, Stone Cold, uh, earlier in the year, hit up uh, our boy Collier, and gave Collier a Stone Cold Lock of the Week with Donald Trump to win the presidency a week out. Do you have anything quite that riveting for us this week in the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week? No, I don't. I don't think I can compare to CG Nasty. Okay, I mean, nobody can. So before but, we get into the picks, listen, hold on. we got my Homer pick, though. Well, we got my an intro in first, pick. man. He, he doesn't do any picks without getting introduced. So we got to do okay. that. Because this wouldn't be the Deep Fried Bats podcast if we didn't hear the Stone Cold Steve Austin intro music. Let's do it. Now that gets you fired up for some winners, boys. All right, Alex, I interrupt you. I cut you off. That's on me. But who are you coming in with your Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week? Well, it's my homer pick, and it's my against the state of Alabama pick. But I was watching Troy in their championship game, and Troy is the worst NCAA tournament team I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. Okay. Duke minus 19. They're going to hit that with eight minutes to go in the first half. Duke minus 19 against Troy is easy. Okay, so definitely a first half line, too, you like there. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, Duke minus 19 against Troy. You seen Troy play? Uh, I caught a little bit of that Sunbelt Championship game. What, they go like one for 22 from three or something crazy like that? Yes. Yes. They, I mean, they had zero points literally halfway in the first half, and they won the game. Yeah. Who'd they play? Was it Little Rock? I don't know. It was like Texas Southern or some Texas team, okay. the Fun Belt. But it was a joke, and they ought to rescind that conference's NCAA tournament. They should, they should take that bit away. Um, but, yeah, full disclosure, and Massa kind of hit on it there, Alex is a Duke fan, but he's not your typical Duke fan. He's a respectful Duke fan. He's been that way for a long time. Uh, we went to the same high school, and we have several guys that, uh, when J.J. Reddick was there, decided that all of a sudden they were Duke fans. But uh, we'll give Massa some credit. He's a respectful Duke fan. Um Hopefully that's not factoring in too much into your decision there, though. It's just mainly how terrible Troy is. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that because they were bad. What little bit I caught of that game. Uh, I caught a little bit of it because it was so bad I had to flip it off. Uh, I actually took a nap instead of watching any more of that game. So next up, we got my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. Love it. Uh, first thing I saw when the lines came out was this. Jumped at it. So excited about it. A double-digit favorite that I think pulls off the outright win. Are you ready for it? New Mexico State, baby, taking on Baylor. Baylor, you were number one in the country earlier in the year, and then you lost like six out of your last ten or something like that. Not very good, I don't think. Uh, Baylor always sucks in the first round of the tournament. That's going to continue this weekend. As the New Mexico State, are they the Aggies? I believe they're the Aggies. Uh, they won a game last year, a couple of years ago. I think so. I think they did. Uh, Baylor's a little too high for me at three. Uh, this tournament would have been seeded midseason, sure. Maybe you can have them on that three. Hell, maybe the two or the one. But they're not a three seed right now, in my opinion. New Mexico State, um, they uh, they went 11-3 and three in their conference, but 9-3 and three in their last 12 games, which I liked. Baylor's just six and six in their last ten or twelve games, so I'm gonna ride with them. I'm gonna ride with the Aggies to pull it out outright. Take the twelve. I mean, Vegas is giving you twelve. Take it. Be safe right there. New Mexico State plus twelve against Baylor is my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. All right, so there's our locks. There's our uh, vault. Now it's time to get down to what everybody here came here for, and that's our Final Four national champion, uh, Alex. Let's start with you. Who's your final four this year's NCAA tournament? All right, I'll start in the South. I've got Kentucky in the South. Kentucky in the South? Earlier. They could beat anybody at any time, but they could probably lose to anybody at any time, too. That's, that's a little scary. Okay, so we're starting off with Kentucky. Um, let's see. In the Midwest, I've got the Oregon Ducks. I know people are a little scared with the injury, Chris Boucher, but... They've still got another guy who can block shots, Jordan Bell. Really looking at that bracket, like you said, and I'm not really high on Kansas. I really like Iowa State and Purdue. I'm not really high on Louisville, so why not Oregon? Yeah, I'm not big on Louisville either, so uh, I like that. Oregon actually had a future on Oregon to win the national championship at plus 2,500, so I wouldn't hate that. I'm sure you were loving the news of ACL last week. Oh, yeah, I wasn't too excited about it, but, you know. You live and die with them knees. <laughs> All right, now looking at the West, one of the top five coaches in this tournament, in my opinion, Sean Miller. I've got Arizona in the West. You big on the Miller boys, huh? Absolutely. I think Archie Miller's going to be able to pick his next job. Sean Miller just does a great job. You know, he recruits well. But he's not up there with the Duke and Kentuckys yet. Every year you see about how talented his team is. You know, I think that's coaching. It's player development. And I really am big on Arizona and Sean Miller. Okay. And then finally, my national champion out of the East, the Duke Blue Devils. They should have gotten a one seed. If they're playing well, they're only playing like seven guys. They've figured out some guys who just rebound, who just play defense. They're getting the ball to Jason Tatum. Luke Kennard is all of a sudden an NBA player. There's no reason to me that Duke can't go all the way this year. Yeah, I mean, they've got the talent. Definitely the most talented roster in the country. I mean, I remember they were – they weren't – I don't think they were any higher when the season tipped off. I don't think you could get them at anything less than, like, plus 250. Um 
and I know obviously things have changed, but they're pretty much intact. Harry Giles hadn't really came on as much as some folks thought. Uh, you still think he goes pro after this year? Yeah, I think he does just because, I mean, what if he got hurt again? Right, you know, if tore another ACL, uh, that's just yeah, a death sentence for him. Dude, I got you. Okay, so. Hey, so one question though about Duke. What are the chances Grayson Allen makes it through the whole tournament without some kind of incident? I was going to ask you that. I mean, I want to see who's the book offering that up. Um, <laughs> it should be out there. Yeah, you know there is. Um, I mean, I'm not saying he trips anybody or anything like that, but I'm with you. I think that. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if he's on his best behavior or not because um, that's a fascinating storyline to watch too because, I mean, if he goes out, I know he's not their best player anymore, but he's an important player and that hurts him. So and I, I think the NCAA sends a message, don't you? Like if he trips somewhere in one of these tournament they, games. Is that Coach K? I, I just don't know. See, my thing is everybody's talked about it so much. Like that's been one of the biggest storylines of college basketball this year is Grayson Allen's shenanigans and – I think if you see that in like a Sweet 16 Elite 8 game, he tri- trips somebody up again. I don't know that they don't give him the boot for a game, but that's definitely a fascinating storyline. So you're giving us Duke as your national championship. Who are they beating in the championship game? Yeah, I've got Kentucky. Okay. Um, I watched Oregon, and I think that would be a really fun game, uh, Oregon and Kentucky. But if Kentucky can get past North Carolina, you know, I think they can handle Oregon pretty easily. I hate that North Carolina and Kentucky are in the same bracket. Like, I feel like if they were on opposite sides, everything could be different. Yeah, and UCLA. I mean, that's a fun bracket. Yeah, it is. Um, all right, so you got Arizona, Duke, Kentucky, and Oregon. Duke beating Kentucky in all-blue-blood final. I also have an all-blue-blood final, but not an all-blue-blood final four. Uh, we are starting off. We're going to start off up here in the east. I'm with you. I think Duke comes out of the East. Uh, I like Villanova a lot, but Duke, I mean, they're the most talented team in the country. I mean, there were prop bets whether they'd finish the season 40-0 and when Vegas or when the season started. So, too much talent. I think they'll come out. They're playing great right now. So, give me them as my Final Four team. Uh, Out in the West, uh, sticking with you here, I got Arizona knocking off Notre Dame. Um I'm not as low on Gonzaga as some people are, but I'm still not quite sold on them. Um, I think they're a better team. This is probably their best team, but I still don't think they're quite ready to get to that Final Four. Next up, we'll go chalk a little bit down in the south, North Carolina. Um, Could have won it all last year. At times this, team, this year has looked like the best team in the country. Hey, they outplayed Duke by like, I think they were plus 12 or something when Joel Berry was on the court the other night and like minus 20 when he was off of it. So uh, as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, North Carolina is definitely a team to look out for. Then kind of surprised myself when I did this, but I've got Purdue coming out of the Midwest. Uh, I got Purdue beating Oregon. I think uh, the size of Chris Boucher being out, that Swanigan and Haas – I just think that's a matchup that Purdue's going to win if it comes to that. So look for Purdue to come out of that. Final four, Duke, Arizona, Purdue, North Carolina. I've got an interesting national championship. It's something I don't think has ever happened. Uh, actually, I know it's never happened. And can you imagine if it does? Duke versus North Carolina for the national championship. Um, 
I know CBS is sitting there uh, absolutely begging for it, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it was 91. They were both in the Final Four, but it didn't happen. Uh, Carolina got beat by Kansas, maybe. Right. But Duke Carolina, you know, part four this year. Yeah. It's really watchable basketball. I mean, every time you get three, it's a treat. Can you imagine four? Have they ever played in the NCAA tournament? I don't think they have. I don't think they have either. Uh, I know Carolina or Louisville and Kentucky have played a couple times, but I don't think they've ever squared off in a national championship. I just, I, it really wasn't even, I didn't set out to do it. It wasn't wishful thinking or anything, but, you know, when I go through this bracket, that's what I ended up with. But uh, I'm actually taking Duke as well, siding with them. I had a little future. I've got a future on both of these teams. Um, full disclosure: I've got futures on Duke. I think I got Duke at plus a thousand after they had lost a couple games. Got North Carolina at plus a thousand. I've got Oregon at plus twenty five hundred. I took a flyer on Purdue at I think plus thirty two hundred. And then today I added uh, Arizona at plus nine hundred. Those are the teams I think good chance to win the national championship. But uh, I got Duke over Carolina in the final. Love to see Yeah, it. Purdue. Purdue's interesting. I'm asking about Purdue because I really like them. Um, Caleb Swanigan is probably going to be a top 10 pick. He's a big guy, but he plays the four because of Isaac Haas being out there. So many teams are going small ball now. I think it'll be the big NBA test. Can Caleb Swanigan guard somebody out on the perimeter? Yep. And if he can, there's no reason Purdue can't be, you know, all the way. Right. I mean, so yeah, I think that'd be interesting to see if Duke or if Oregon could go slow to him or small on him if it gets to that. But Purdue, not, I mean, definitely my least favorite in my final four, but Duke over Carolina in the national championship. And that is that. That is our picks, our final four, our favorite five, our vault, if you will. Stone Cold Steve Austin Log of the Week. We covered it all. Uh, we'd like to thank Eric Haslam and Tony Patelis for joining us on the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Hell, we'd like to thank Alex for making his inaugural debut. We'll definitely have to do this again. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll get back in a week or two to discuss some more NCAA tournament uh, brackets. Uh, Alex, how do you think your first round went? You know, I think it went good. Thanks for having me. I'm just hoping I do better than Boomer in his football picks. Well, you know, it can't be hard. Uh, definitely can't. It's not going to be hard to be better than Collier. Uh, love you to death, Collier, but, you know, you're going to have to pick it up a little bit next year on the football picks. Um, but this is our college basketball NCAA March Madness special edition of the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Uh, be sure to join that bracket, folks. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of groups uh, on there. You can hit up me or Masson on Twitter. He'll help you get in there, too, if you feel a little more comfortable going that route. Um, Ten bucks. Get with me on how to do that. And, again, check us out, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything like that. Alex, what's your plan for the tournament? You know, I'm really contemplating asking off of work or not. That's how serious I am about Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's the best, two of the best days of the year for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I think a work day, a work excuse might be in play there. All right, Al, we thank you for joining us. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to spread the good word, and I hope everyone has a happy tournament. We'll catch you next time.